0: This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. Hey everyone, today's guest is Bron Daler, drummer and songwriter for the Atlanta, Georgia heavy metal band, Mastodon. Together we dissect the writing, recording, and release of the song Blood and Thunder, taken from their 2004 album, Leviathan. Braun tells the story of how he came up with not only the concept of the song, but for the whole album, based around the 1851 Melville novel Moby Dick. Their first album revolved around the concept of fire, and Braun wanted the second record to involve another of the four elements, this time being water. Braun wrote most of the song humming into a tape recorder, and he credits the rest of his band with being able to decipher his unorthodox method and turn it into notes and parts the band has definitely forged their own path within the metal scene, combining elements of metal, progressive rock, Middle Eastern influences, and meshing them all together into a style all their own. Braun was complimentary in talking about producer Matt Bayliss and his contributions to the recording, as well as vocalist Neil Fallon from Clutch, who sang on the epic bridge part of this song. So, for all this, and to learn of the hilarious name that the band came up with for their first touring van, don't touch that dial. Hey, hey, have you heard, Krista makes a podcast Hey, hey, have you heard, Krista makes a podcast used to live in Atlanta. I used to live in Grant Park, lo- lovely city.
1: Oh, no kidding. Yeah, Grant Park is beautiful.
0: Yeah, it was beautiful 20 years ago and, and starting to get too pricey then. I can't imagine what it's like now.
1: Yeah, I don't think I could afford a birdhouse over there. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it'd, be, it'd be a little much. Well, I, I want to go back almost 20 years now, 2004, your second album, uh, Leviathan, which was a concept album. And I just want to, I'm trying to make sense of this because you have one of the most interesting bands that i've ever run across i love metal i love progressive rock things such as rush i hear all that combined with what you do i wouldn't even know how to describe your band but take us back to this time period it's your second album your first album remission came out in 2002 but your second record you decided to make into a concept album based on the novel of moby dick And this is just fascinating to me Uh, as an artist, someone who's been immersed in music my whole life. I love uh, all things metal, all things hard, fast. Uh, In the 80s, I listened to stuff like Celtic Frost that had, you know, lyrics of Vikings and different things. And a lot of that stuff didn't age well. And (laughs) when when I'm reading through the lyrics of this track in particular, Blood and Thunder, that we're going to talk about today... And I'm reading through this and I'm like, just on paper, how do you make this into a metal song and how does it work? And it just does. And I'm just sitting here going, how? How did you come up with this concept? Take us back to to when you were putting the record together and and, and you thought this is going to be what we're what we're going for here.
1: It's the classic you have uh, all the time in the world to make your first album, which we did. We had all (laughs) sorts of time and we just were kind of going about. But, you know, we were all working our day jobs and we were getting together at night and. And we were in our 20s and we were just excited to be playing together. We, were, we, we just had this this shiny new toy, sort of of j- discovering this sound uh, that we thought was unique and cool and we just were chasing it, you know? So, getting together every night, jamming. And I think the, the songs for Leviathan came together pretty quickly, if I'm not mistaken. I think it, it was only maybe three or four months of, of jamming and it, we were re- we were done. We were pretty much ready to go in and record everything. I had gotten married in Hawaii, and we knew that we wanted to do something, a theme of some sort. We had sort of, after the fact of remission, decided that that album was about fire, you know? And so we had this idea that we were going to do, let's do the elements, you know, for our first four records or something. And um, so we had decided that water was going to be the next uh, element that we were going to explore. But you can't get much more vague than just saying water. So you know uh, <laughs> right. like well, we need to be a little more specific, you know, It'd be nice uh, if we could get more specific than that. And I went to Hawaii, got married and then on my I had to meet the guys in the, in the UK and I had a ridiculous like 36 hour long flight with a bunch of uh, connections and stuff and in the gift shop in Hawaii at the airport, I bought Moby Dick because I had it in the back of my head that I wanted it to be, about Moby Dick. It just made something about it made sense. I had read it as a teenager and not totally comprehended it. There's a lot of old English used in it, you know, yeah. so it's sort of a little, little bit hard to follow. And he kind of goes off. I mean, it's a brilliantly written book, obviously. It's one of the, you know, greatest books ever written, one of the great American novels. And uh, you know, Melville is one of the great American authors and blah, blah, blah. Everybody knows that. But um, I just had it in the back of my head that it would be a good focal point for the album but i said i really need to reread it because i'm not 100 sure i just need, i need to like sit with it for a minute so it was a perfect opportunity for me to sit and sit in my seat and, and read the whole thing and i read just about i read the whole thing on that journey to get to the guys in the uk to start like a i think it was just like a two and a half or three week run that we were doing i think it was just a few pages in and they were referring to the whale as the sea salt mastodon and and i was just just all this stuff was clicking for me You know, and by the time I got to the UK, I sort of had my pitch, my, my, you know, my elevator pitch worked out for the guys, (laughs) you know, because I knew that I had to sort of sell it, but I was passionate about it. So that helps. Yeah. And I was like, listen, I got it figured out. You know, we're going to, it was for me, it was more the aesthetics of the whole thing. It really, I could see that the art was going to work. Well, with it, We're going to have an M with two harpoons crossed, and we could do this. And I just had it all sort of, you know, worked out. We knew we had an artist in Paul Romano that was going to be able to execute this sort of classic painting style that we had done with Remission, that we knew he was capable of. And so I was like, okay, we got our guy that can paint anything and kind of make it look like a, a Dutch masters almost, you know. And and uh, <laughs> and so it, it all sort of clicked on that really lengthy plane ride for me that was the nucleus of of us solidifying the fact that we were going to do a concept album. It was going to be about Moby Dick. and You know, it wasn't like, okay, now all you guys have to sit and read this whole book. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Like I'm going to get, I'm going to give the cliff notes. And then if you're writing your lyrics, just sort of have it be in the neighborhood of of what we're talking about here, you know? And so it's like bullet points. And then it's sort of, just gave us some some direction you know as far as lyrically you know sometimes we get lost and we don't what are we writing about you know what's our viewpoint what's the stance where are we coming from what are we trying to say you know and instead of sort of maybe cannibalize a newspaper and try to figure out some kind of story to regale in in a three and a half minute song it, it makes more sense for us to have something to to look at that we can you know having have more of an arc and it doesn't have to be telling a story verbatim from start to finish like song 1 starts with this and then it goes and you can follow this this narrative you know that that weaves through the whole thing it's a little looser it's not really like we're going to tell you the story of moby dick with uh, with these songs you know it's more to like capture a feel and a vibe and we sort of just felt like it was it was working with that particular Story,
0: Right. Yeah, I guess it was like the overall inspiration. And to your point, you know, this was written in 1851. So you're talking about some of those words there. There had to have been some, you know, disconnect in in a sense there and how you were able to just say, hey, okay, we're going to do a generalized thing here. It's going to be the the inspiration for the whole record. I I, I think, again, that that's fascinating and that you're able, I'll use the word again, that you're selling it here. It's believable. When I'm listening to the track, it's like, okay, this isn't some, you know, nursery rhyme put to put to heavy music. Like, this is really cool.
1: Well, Blood and Thunder would be the one that's the most like Moby Dick inspired. I think I took some some words right out of the book and just basically right. put them in the in the song. There had to be a little bit of, of plagiarism, you know. I had to
0: sure. I had to sure. b-
1: borrow some some lines and put them in there. I loved that Blood and Thunder was the first song because I loved the the opening line of I think there's that someone's trying to kill me. I just thought it was just so perfect and just got us yeah. got us going, you know, and, and really the the record doesn't doesn't let up the whole time. And it's kind of one of those I love it when a plan comes together.
0: <laughs> yeah. Little A-Team moment.
1: Yeah. So I was just like, Yes. Like I just remember, you know, when when the album was finished and we were staying in this extended stay. Hotel just outside of Seattle, and, and we stayed up all night listening to it, and we were just were high five, and we just knew we had something that we thought was awesome, you know, and we were like, man, it really came together, it's really perfect, you know, everything, and then this song, and then this song, and then the, the ending, and yeah, we were just really excited about it.
0: That's really cool. Well, can you take us back to writing it? Where was it written uh, in the album process? Was it an early song? Did you did you write it and then write the rest of the album around Blood and Thunder? Do you recall?
1: No, I think it was, it was sort of just in the middle. You know, um, it was coming together sort of along with everything else, you know you get this crop of songs and and they they're all kind of your little seedlings you know and you start watering right and, and yeah. you know this one starts to grow a little more than the, the other one and and you know they but eventually they all are are there gotcha but this is one that i wrote so back then i had this little dictaphone with with tapes and stuff and i would sit and hum you know guitar riffs although i i wrote the main riff i had it for a while in the apartment that myself and bill kellerher guitar player and His now wife, but then girlfriend, Julianne, we lived in a little apartment and he always had a guitar hooked up to a practice amp that was in the living room and I would just mess around on it. And um, I'm not a very good guitar player, but I can do power chords and, you know, stuff like that. You can get around. I'll get to a certain thing and I'll be like, "Okay, I can't do it, but I know it's in my head. I can hear what it's supposed to be and I I can't articulate it because uh, I'm a terrible guitar player. So I'll just hum those parts.
0: But you're hearing the orchestration in, oh, in yeah, your yeah. head as a drummer, though, which is just a, a lot of drummers don't. Everyone's different behind the kit, but you're hearing the whole orchestration.
1: Yeah, I could hear I could hear what I thought it was going to be. And I just felt like, man, this is just a banger. You know, I just really have I don't know. I had had it all sort of mapped out and put together. And then I was able to get it into Bill's hands, you know, more capable hands. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and especially yeah. there's like a there's like a bridge section that's you know, it's sort of inspired by a lot of like, you know, I listen to some like Middle Eastern pop, late '80s Middle Eastern pop, or you know, Egyptian top forty from maybe the early '90s or so. There was this compilation right. that came out called Yalla, uh, Egypt's Hit List. <laughs> i had it on vinyl when i was a, a teenager and i i loved it it was just some, something about you know some of the keyboard sounds are just real cheap sounding and and some of the, the vocals are like distorted and i don't know something about it i just love and So it's like almost taken right out of one of those uh, Egyptian pop songs.
0: Oh, absolutely! It's got a little bit of that system of a down thing going on too, where they're using those. You know, it's, it's
1: yeah, the It's the, yeah. I, I really, at a at a pretty young age, I sort of fell in love with the with the Arabic, you know, scale. And I it just yeah, it's it, awesome. It's super dramatic, and um, you combine that with some of their their pop music. You know, Turkish pop and and some of those uh, female vocalists are just incredible and i lo- I just love the drama of all that music you bring those strings and you know it's just like oh man that's some good stuff right there that's my sweet my some of the stuff i love
0: right do you now i know you were using that dictaphone you said little tape recorder but did you ever do a proper demo of this song
1: it's possible we weren't really demoing back then we just would we would just play it and and rehearse it okay and remember it because we were rehearsing like every night it's not like we were struggling to remember something cool uh that we had come up with. We just were very adamant about let's play that again, play it again, play it again. You know.
0: So it, it was it was pretty tight arrangement wise when you went into the studio to cut the track. So you kind of had it had it all together.
1: We didn't have the the vocals weren't all the way there. There was like the, you know, I'd come up with a white whale holy grail thing I think first, and then basically we we had a tour booked with Clutch, that was almost probably two months long that got us out to the west coast and we basically this is like before the youtube age you know right this is really before you know there was a handful of people at every show that knew who we were but really we were sort of still just kind of starting out and going on tour with clutch was a big deal for us you know and um we basically picked three or four songs that were going to be on leviathan and played them every night and just you know brent and troy would sort of yell stuff randomly where they thought maybe vocals would go because we didn't have any lyrics really written and i'm sitting in the van writing the lyrics for blood and thunder just on the way to the next show and i'd be like singing them to troy while troy was driving and being like i think it's i think it should go like this you know like
0: isn't that so cool to be able to go out on the road and test your ideas and not have to worry about it being on youtube the next day that was
1: great you know it was yeah really, I, I used to love that it was really awesome you know you kind of road test this stuff and you can tell <laughs> yeah. you know i feel like you can tell when we got to the studio and and went and, and recorded it because now you really can't do that so you're when you go in the studio the stuff is kind of it's fresh. You know, you haven't played it in front of anybody. You just like go in and hopefully it comes together. But back then it was like, man, it's already we've already played these songs like a hundred times in front of people. We know the way that they're, they're supposed to go. You know, we, yeah. we got the arrangements completely nailed down. The vocals still were sort of a mystery, you know, but they were more fleshed out by the time we got to Seattle. Also, okay. Matt Bayless said, please don't ever do that again because you guys are fucking crispy and burnt out. And we were like, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, for the listeners, you're speaking to Matt Bayless, who produced the record with you guys. And I want to get into him uh, in a little bit when we get into the song. But uh, that's, uh, yeah, getting off the road and going right in, I've I've never done that. I'd be probably burned out as well.
1: We were. We should have picked maybe a shorter run because it was a long, it was a lengthy run. And um, we just had like neurosis. They told us they did that with one album. When we were like, we should do that. Neurosis did it. We should, <laughs> we'll be we should fresh
0: off the road. We'll go in and we'll go in and nail it. Yeah, yeah I don't know what easy.
1: we were thinking, but we were. I mean, <laughs> and back then it was it was hard touring. It wasn't like you know the a bus, and it was like the fart box, which was our our uh, affectionate name for our van. <laughs> uh, you know, filled, I love it, filled with Gatorade, piss bottles, and oh yeah, uh, a cooler with baloney and and a, a loaf of Wonder bread and, you know, yeah. that whole the,
0: deal. <laughs> the, the glamour of a, a national touring act. It, it's awesome. And you mentioned Clutch, which uh, vocalist Neil Fallon sings on Blood and Thunder, and we'll get we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. But I want to jump into the track now. This song just steamrolls you. From the time it starts to the time it ends, it's three minutes and 48 seconds. Doesn't feel that long. It goes by pretty quick. This opening riff is just It's so good. It's eight bars of just the guitar, which is the verse riff. I'm calling it the main riff of the song. The guitar at the top is just kind of slightly overdriven. It really lets those chords breathe. On the seventh bar, there's this killer drum fill that you do that gets us into verse one, and that's where the stereo guitars and the bass come in. So this riff off the top, it just takes me back—not as a retread, not in a bad way, but back to the '80s when I was listening to. It reminds me of Megadeth, kind of reminds me a little bit of Corrosion of Conformity, some of the hardcore stuff I was listening to. And yeah,
1: it's kind of got kind of a hardcore kind of thing. We had a lot of that in our sound or early on, you know, it's kind of folding in the sort of the hardcore stuff that we were had been listening to our whole lives. so
0: Yeah, and the the whole guitar is in drop D for this, super heavy. And uh, verse 1. I'm going to I'm going to read these lyrics Bron and I'll have you set them up for us. I think that someone is trying to kill me, infecting my blood and destroying my mind. No man of the flesh could ever stop me. The fight for this fish is a fight to the death. That's right. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> Guests on here always trip out when I read their lyrics back to them, and in this case, this is this is an odd lyric to read back. And and it's kind of verbatim of what of what's going on. But uh, anything uh, you have to add would be great.
1: I just I remember writing these and the, sit like I said, sitting in the front seat, uh, passenger side of the fart box, probably writing it on the back of an <laughs> like on the back of an envelope or something that was laying up there. I was just trying to think of something, and you know, I was wanted it to relate to the book. You know, this was kind of my baby a little bit and i really wanted to uh make sure it was you know cohesive and made sense to me at least and uh yeah i think it worked i think you get the sense of obsession that captain ahab was experiencing thinking that you know he was being chased by this beast that had taken his leg and you know he was trying to kill it and it was trying to kill him And, uh, he just was sort of out of his mind and on this ship with all these guys that just thought that they were on a whaling expedition, but no, they weren't. They were, they were after this one specific creature. So yeah, that's pretty much sets up Leviathan perfectly. I thought.
0: Gotcha. Well, the groove here is, is absolutely monstrous going on in this verse. It's driving. Um, I love how sparse yet effective the double bass you're doing in the verses where you where you put those double kicks it is it, i think it's awesome
1: oh thanks yeah i don't know that's that's just sort of um was a happy accident i guess of of just how i play and my my left foot is like a little bit ghosty sometimes my left hand is always ghosting you know maybe to a fault but that's just my style i'm, I'm not a not a professionally taught player so i just that's how i play and I think my, my left foot sort of follows suit a little bit, always kind of busy over there doing a little bit of something. And so it's it, the pattern kind of just came naturally. Well,
0: that's what I was going to ask. So you know, you, you said you have these orchestrations in your head of, of, of the songs. When you go in for this track, if you can remember, I know it's going back almost 20 years, but uh, are you in there and you have the parts pretty much worked out or like that double bass thing? You know, was Matt Bayless saying, hey, maybe try this or, you know, try something, no. a different feel there? No,
1: that's totally worked out. You know touring it for a couple months before going in that, and then playing it a, a ton before we left for for tour and then just you know this song in particular being something that i had sort of worked out you know start to finish i had the drums worked out you know i knew that i wanted to, you know the, the i knew the fill that i wanted to do coming in and yeah this one was was ready.
0: Well, I think the greatest thing you said was, you know, I wasn't professionally trained. And in in a way I can hear that by what I'm about to say. Your fills are insane. Like one of my favorite drummers, Dave Lombardo slayer hands down uh, I think you do longer fills than Dave does your fills go on I'm like how's this fill still going but it just comes <laughs> right back in comes right back back in on the one and it's like oh my god what what did I just hear it's it's really innovative how you play I, I hats off to you at the last line here the fight for this fish is a fight to the death there's another insane drum fill that takes us into chorus one we're already in the first chorus 32 seconds that's that that's right. pretty yeah pretty quick now i know troy bassist troy sanders sang on the first verse and when i'm watching live videos i i noticed that bill's kind of taken the lead who's singing on the chorus here
1: Brent's singing on the recorded version and bill did not sing on the recorded ver- version i'm not sure where that switch happened but it just it did i think that bill and <laughs> brent were both singing the chorus for a while live and and then Brent just sort of let Bill have it.
0: I always do research. and I I, I look at the live videos. I see if bands change keys or different tuning and, right, and right. stuff. And and I noticed that Bill, there's like a, I think it's Rock Amarang you guys played. He sounds monstrous on the chorus. It's like, oh my, you know, it just sounds so evil and so big. So I, that's why I asked. But uh, but here it's Brent.
1: Yeah. Recorded version, it's Brent.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Well, the chorus lyric is repeated twice. It's uh, white whale, holy grail. White Whale, Holy Grail. And in between that, there's a bunch of instrumentation. It's a 16-bar chorus. It goes to halftime here. The groove, again, totally changes. Again, the drum fills are insane. On the sixth and 14th bars, there's a cool pick slide off to the right. The vocals almost sound here, Braun, like they're doubled. Uh, But I I know there's a huge pre-delay and delay treatment here that's making them sound massive. Were they doubled here? Do you remember?
1: I'm sure they were. We usually double up everything. If if not okay. triple or quadruple, <laughs> you know. Yeah, th-
0: this uh, this chorus is just it's huge.
1: As it was happening we we're like this could be something like the audience could be, be screaming along with us and we kind of felt like that would probably happen and it does.
0: Right. In between the singing it says white whale holy grail the instrumentation I I mentioned a moment ago. Um am I hearing octave guitars that come in there in between?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we, I mean, we try to with Bill and Brent. You know, they try to they try to offset each other as much as possible and do do octaves and do cool harmonies, guitar harmonies wherever wherever possible. You know,
0: I like how back and forth of the vocal there. You really hear those. They they might be tucked in there in the mix before, but they're really brought up. I think in the mix, or at least they're sticking out there but in, in between the vocals.
1: That riff was sort of inspired by a musical moment that happens in the movie Excalibur. (laughs) Okay. It happens a few different times, but um, there's a sequence where uh, I think it's like the lady of the lake sequence Mm -hmm. where she's kind of in the lake and she's got Excalibur in her hand up. Like, and there's this haunting female vocal that's happening over top of it. And it's like, And so uh, I was watching that, and, and uh, so there you go, secret. Yeah, no,
0: <laughs> that's really cool because I had written in my notes here too. Just the movement of the chords in that chorus is almost symphonic, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Kind of what you were just talking about, just the just just the way those chords move. Well, right out of chorus one, we're immediately into verse two. <laughs> What remorseless emperor commands me, I no longer govern my soul. I am completely immersed in darkness as I turn my body away from the sun.
1: Ahab is completely obsessed and and has been maybe body snatched by this obsession of of killing this whale, and in doing so, he kills himself. You know, he is harpooned the whale and is on Moby Dick, and Moby Dick takes him down as he's you know splayed out on the side of Moby Dick and wrapped with the rope of the harpoon has wrapped him to the side of of the whale and he turns his body away from the sun it means they they go over and they go down uh and and he's taking him down to the depths
2: hey everybody don't you dare go anywhere there's lots more Chris to make the podcast after these messages
0: from our sponsors looking to elevate your music career distrokid is a digital music distribution service That enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with the Spotify Canvas Generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia, with its simple interface and customizable mastering options Artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com. Slash VIP demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP demakes.
2: Hey everybody, I'm Chris Fafalius. I'm the producer of Chris Demakes a podcast, and I am once again asking you to check out our supporting cast program. If you go to ChrisDemakes.com, you can sign up and support the show, and you'll also get a bonus episode of the after party podcast each week. These episodes are a lot of fun, and you'll instantly get access to a giant back catalog of the After Party episodes. I'm going to play a clip from the episode titled Songs We Never Get Sick Of, and you'll get to
0: hear Chris gush about Master of Puppets for a minute. Uh, This song, I I could hear it every day for the rest of my life. Uh, Just what a composition. These guys were, you know, 23 years old writing this type of material. Uh, elements of, of, of Black Sabbath, elements of hardcore, elements of, of bands like Deep Purple, uh, but their own thing. You know, it was it was speed metal. Uh, the, the middle part reminds me almost of Skinner. There's some Southern su- Southern rock feel in there. Um, James Hetfield's vocals. He was angsty. He was pissed off. Uh, they were singing about drug addiction, um, and it just was like the perfect storm. I think it's one of the most perfect metal tracks. The whole album is perfect, but that song in particular, uh, from the from the first uh, from the first downbeat and that riff that starts the tune uh, till the end of the song, it's a it's a amazing composition. Do you think
2: that's when Metallica was
0: at their very peak? Right there, you know I. I'll... I know a lot of people feel that they were at their peak. Um, I think it could be argued maybe they were at their peak for the Black album, um, which I like that album for different reasons. Yeah, it was a starting to become a different band. Then you know, Cliff Burton had had passed uh, before the Black album, so uh, a My choices for songs I never get sick of were such polar opposites of Chris's choices, which you'll
2: hear if you listen to the episode. But hey. I think Chris and I sometimes having pretty drastically different tastes in music is what keeps Chris to makes a podcast as eclectic as possible. So yeah, head on over to to ChrisDemakes.com. We love making the show and it's the support of listeners like you that will allow us to keep pushing the envelope and bringing you great episodes each week. Thanks to everybody who already joined. And if you're on the fence, maybe check out ChrisDemakes.com today. And now back to the show.
0: Well, I want to talk real quick about producer Matt Bayliss. Uh, I guess he started as an assistant for Brennan O'Brien uh, on Pearl Jam's No Code and Yield. And uh, you ended up uh, total... I know he's an Atlanta guy, and a total envy of you guys for this. One of my favorite producers, Brendan O'Brien, he actually produced uh, 2009's Crack the Sky from You Guys and 2017's Emperor Sand, um, but Matt Bayless, uh, he also, this is crazy, played synth in Minus the Bear from the band's inception, but left the band uh, in 2006 to focus on production. Uh, he's known for his work with Soundgarden, Botch, Minus the Bear, and Norma Jean, so... In this process now, when you're in tracking this song, if you can remember back, what did Matt bring to the table for this track?
1: He was more of an engineer, and he's just getting the good sounds for us and, and just keeping everybody on task. And we were a little bit wild, so he was just kind of herding cats, you know, and getting us to <laughs> get everybody to do what they're supposed to do and being the boss. You know, we need we need that, some structure. With us, it wasn't, there wasn't much that you had to do nip and tuck wise you know we already had everything sort of figured out we knew what we wanted to do we knew how we wanted it to sound he was the facilitator you know what i mean he got things to sound the way that we wanted him, and, you know we would sit and just kind of we'd already worked with him on remission you know so going into mm-hmm. leviathan was you know part two of us working together so we already knew what we were getting and we were happy with the way remission came out and we thought you know with a little bit of a bigger budget and a little bit more time than we were really gonna up the ante and we 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 felt like the songs were a little tighter and we thought it was better and we thought that it was a step up and i think that matt was stepping up with us you know i think that you know all the way around it just sounded better to us it was a it was a a better production we went to we went to seattle instead of him coming to to us in atlanta we we went to where he was at litho studios you know stone's place in seattle cool and it was just a It was a great experience, you know, because we figured we were going to get a better sounding record if we went to the place where the producer engineer was most comfortable and had everything at their disposal that they were used to working with. And so we're like, let's get the best we can get with working with Matt, you know, so that was us going to Seattle and being there with him
0: that's cool that's kind of what I thought you were gonna say this composition is so grandiose and so crazy it's like you know maybe he would have said hey th- we should trim this bridge down but he didn't seem so much like the idea guy he's just back there he's manning the board he's driving the ship he's keeping keeping the cats in line as you said and uh you know it sounds like he grew with you too from that first record
1: i think so you know but i mean i'm not i wouldn't say that he didn't have any ideas he did you know those little conversations that you have you know admit hey should we take two off of this and Oh, yeah, let's try it. We'll see what it sounds like. Hey, so, you know, but I wouldn't consider it to be, like, producer-producer. But I don't feel like we've ever really needed that, you know? Like, most of our demos are pretty... You're going to hear the demos, and you'll hear the finished product, and it's, you know, we would have done that anyways type of thing, you know? In the demo stage, we're like, yeah, of course, we would have took two off of that. That's what we would have done, you know?
0: The whole concept, everything that you came up with, it's like... You know, it's so, I'm going to use the word again, grandiose and so specific. Hey, we're going to do this about Moby Dick. And you admitted that uh, you kind of come up with all these ideas, instrumentation. So when you go into a producer, uh, you guys pretty much had your ducks in a row.
1: We we did, We especially for this one, I'll say, you know, with, with uh, Leviathan, we were, I mean, just chomping at the bit to record it we felt like we collectively had something really special especially with i mean some of the stuff that uh that brent wrote on there like uh aqua dementia that we came up with together and uh hearts alive the big epic closer we were just like man i can't wait to get this stuff down and get it out like the collective feeling of the band was us harpoons raised to the sky basically that was like our yeah let's go you know it was
0: fun you feel like you made something special you were proud of it and and you did from that moment you guys just kept kept going up and up well chorus two same lyric white whale holy grail it's repeated and then we get in to probably my favorite part of the song one of my favorite parts is this guitar solo this lead break that you're talking about with this middle eastern flair the whole time signature changes here i believe it is this in six eight
1: spend a lot of time in 68 we hang out there quite a bit that's like our corner store basically it's awesome
0: I love I love when it changes here uh, there's the dual guitar solo that's going on one's playing the harmony and uh, I, I just wrote Ala Maiden Priest Metallica it's got that dual lick thing but it's not that it's more so that Middle Eastern Arabic feel that you're talking about there and did you come up with that run or is that something that you hummed into your tape recorder
1: yeah I hummed that into the tape recorder and got it into more capable hands of Bill and, and Brent I mean I think that my my version of it was probably you know when i got it into their hands you know they're two of the greatest guitar players ever so i mean they they just took it and ran with it and made it super awesome like they do anything that i write or that i come up with they always make it way better you know than i could have eked out humming wise into my my little tape recorder but um or now into my iPhone uh, recorded notes or whatever.
0: Well, it sounds like you and I are complete opposites. See, I hear these insane drum productions in my head, but I can't recreate them. A lot of times I'll even hum them on my phone. It just doesn't go over well when you're trying to show it to your drummer. Right. Uh, but guitar, I'm fine. I can, I can kind of figure figure everything out there. But drums, it's it's just like, there's I just hear this groove sometimes and I can't quite articulate it. It's tough. Well, there's sporadic drum and bass hits interspersed with these insane drum fills on the First half of the lead break, then the drums and the bass join those dueling guitars until we hit the bridge, and this bridge is just killer. And uh, this is where Neil Fallon from Clutch comes in on the on the uh, vocals here. your lungs with blood and thunder when you see the white whale break your backs and crack your oars men if you wish to prevail this ivory leg is what propels me harpoons thrust in the sky aim directly for his crooked brow and look him straight in the eye yeah Yeah, I'll tell you, it, it's kind of funny to read these. But again, going back to the top, what I said, you know, I, I'm a metal guy at heart. It's what I grew up with. And I mentioned some bands at the top. You, you go back and listen to the those songs that, that maybe had lyrical themes like this, even some of the, the Ronnie James Dio stuff. And it's just doesn't some of it just doesn't age well. And just there's something I'll say it again. That's believable
1: about this. I was real proud of that piece when I wrote it. You know, I was like, oh, yeah. And, and to be honest with you reading them back, you know, just kind of reading them, which is something I try to do with all the lyrics that I ever write is I will read them without, you know, I'll read them to myself out loud, or I'll read them to someone out loud, just the way that you're doing it, just to try to make sure that they're not super cringy, you know, and so hearing you read those, I'm like, okay, I, I'm still okay with them. That's awesome. I feel like they're still fine. Like, I don't have a huge problem with anything that happened there. So I'm 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 happy to report that to you. And, but um, we, the whole tour with Clutch, I was thinking in the back of my head, man, Neil would be so perfect for this part because I feel like I want it to be a different voice and somebody that I feel like is Ahab. Now you're getting like this first person stepping out and being like, you know, Blood and Thunder. That's a, the line. There is is directly taken out of the book. Split your lungs with Blood and Thunder. It's basically scream. If you see that fucker,
0: <laughs> that's what I was going to ask. You mentioned a little bit ago that some of this was taken kind of verbatim. And this seems like the part that was. And, and that, that's what you're saying. This bridge. Yeah, right?
1: some of it. So a couple lines, I think, uh, break your backs and crack your oars was was from it, too. You know, And I was just like, oh, man, I'm taking that. I'm taking this. I'm put it in here and I'm trying to fit it in and make it work. But I was so scared to ask Neil because I have fear of, you know, rejection. When I finally got the nerve up to ask him, he just was like, yeah, of course, I want to do that. And I was like, really? <laughs> you know? So we're so excited to have Neil.
0: Yeah, I love how the different voice comes in there, but I don't think it's so far left of what your band does or Brent or or Troy's voice that you guys can't pull it off live. I watch the videos and it comes, comes across as great as the recording.
1: Yeah. And luckily, you know, we've, we've toured with clutch again and, and we'd have Neil come out and do that part when we did that. And that was a big, a big moment for everybody for, for us as well. You know, it's so cool to have him as a good friend and, and we've toured with those guys, you know, incessantly over the years. And so it's just cool to have that history. And, when we were in Seattle, you know, we, we flew Neil in and, you know, I was sort of coaching him on, I had it mapped out in my mind exactly the way I wanted it to be sung, you know, and it took a few minutes because he was, he said it was counterintuitive. Really? Yeah. For him you know like the way that he was hearing the rhythm and he was start he would start singing at a certain spot and i'd be like <laughs> and i was so afraid to like correct him
0: yeah and now i know what you mean by saying counterintuitive because i i even wrote here this chord progression again is so interesting it's it's kind of reminds me of the chorus i'm listening to it and it almost feels like it's backwards at some yeah. point but then it catches itself if that if that makes sense i could see as a vocalist not being in your band coming in and trying to sing this part why he would feel that way
1: yeah I don't hear it i hear it exactly the way it's the exactly the way that it's sung of course because i just i've been rehearsing it in my mind for months you know what i mean and so i have it like totally nailed down exactly the way i want the cadence to be and also rhythmically i've kind of approached every all the vocals that i do and all the vocals that i hear in my head are is another layer of percussion so everything gets like you know it's got this so anyways, when we were in there with him, it was, it was tough, but, but he sort of pulled it out of me because he could tell that I was not, I wasn't, I was like, he's like, well, what is it? You got to tell me, man. I'm like, okay, I'll, I think it should be like this, you know, and I would go in, like lay down a template, you know what I mean? And, and just do what, how I felt like it should be. He's like, I want, he's like, man, I, I just want to do it the way you guys want it to be. And I'm like, okay, cool. All right. So don't get your feelings hurt you know (laughs) i'm
0: just like yeah and once he finally heard it back and and correctly like it is here correctly i should say as you heard it in your head was he stoked
1: yeah totally he was like okay, i get it i get it now you know i mean we have it within our own band you know you probably have the same thing in your band it's like you're you write something and you are hearing the rhythm here and somebody else comes in on a different spot all the time sometimes it's cool sometimes it's cool and it's like a happy like, oh, I didn't hear it like that. Wow, that's pretty interesting, you know. But, but yeah. then sometimes you're like, no, it has to be like this. Like, it has to be, you know. Right, right. Sometimes it takes a little bit of like, oh, man, I'm just not hearing it like that, you know. So that that's a, an interesting thing. So I think each one of us in the band has separately bought Neil, like, a bottle of Jack Daniels because we knew he liked to drink whiskey and stuff, <laughs> as, like, a present because we knew we were, weren't really like, able to pay him much of anything, you know, like. We could afford to like yeah. fly him there, and then that was sort of it, you know. And we had these two, <laughs> we had these two extended stay of rooms, you know. So it was two guys to each room, and uh, we had decided that we were gonna like let Neil have one room to himself, and the four of us would be crammed in the other room, you know, and two guys to a bed, you know. <laughs> and so, but the both rooms are right next to each other, you know. And we were sort of in our other in our room, and we're letting him have hit have that room and uh he opened the door and yelled over to us he's like he's something like hey guys you, it doesn't have to be like this you know you can you guys can come over here and you know we're like
0: oh sorry we didn't want to you know you were showing mr neil found a little southern hospitality and i i commend that
1: we were trying man we were trying we were just we respect him so much and we were so happy that he had said yes to do this uh, do this great. cameo with us and Man, for our band and for our fans, it's it really was like a legend. It's a legendary moment, you know. And I'm so happy that it was that it was Neil and and that particular voice because I felt like it was such the embodiment of of Captain Ahab's voice. You know, if there's anybody that's going to be Captain Ahab, it's 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 Neil. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that that's awesome.
1: I love it when a plan comes together. That was another piece of, of that plan which I felt like was just so perfect and he nailed it he did such a great job
0: yeah no he absolutely killed it there and the bridge part of the groove changes yet again here the stereo guitars go to a downstroke strumming pattern uh this part is just heavy as hell and uh in between the bridge here the first half and the second half there's this insane again I wrote insanely long snare fill to separate the first and second half it's awesome <laughs> And then we go right into chorus three. It's a 16 bar chorus. The lyric again White Whale, Holy Grail, repeated twice. And right after that, you get an eight bar reintro of the main riff. I don't know what it is about the riff coming there off of that chorus it just kicks my ass it is so heavy and so good right there and then we get into the last part of the song i'm, I'm calling an outro but it's almost like a coda you get another progression here that comes in and uh, the band goes halftime here until the end of the song on bars 9 11 13 and 15 octave guitars get really loud. They come in accenting the riff. It's killer there. And then the band ends abruptly and the song comes comes to a close. When you got the song mixed, or you're 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 close in the studio, you're hearing the playbacks of it, and all the pieces, all the parts are laid down there, were you hearing back what you were hearing in your head months prior?
1: I think so, yeah. Everybody was really excited about it, you know? Yeah. It was, it was all high fives, and yes!
0: Sounds awesome! That's great, because I've had it the opposite, where I've had compositions in my head, and it just... I don't quite get there sometimes yeah. and you hear it back. You're like, ah, eh, you know, and, and, and you sit on it and it just doesn't grab you. But it sounds like in this instance, what you were hearing back was this, this composition that you had in your head that you were humming into your phone, which I know a lot of drummers that do that. And it's just, it, it, it's really cool how, you know, as, as raw as that is, that you can show it to someone like Bill and he can spit it back out and, and give you what you're hearing.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I think it was better than it it turned out better than it was in, in my mind, you know, and also feel like it takes a lot for us very skilled guitar player and or guitar players to be like, Hey, let's hear what our drummer is cooking up over there. As far as a song is concerned, like, <laughs> yeah. dude, we're good. We're yeah. the guitar players. We got this. We don't need whatever you got going on. But Mastodon has always been this very collaborative project and we know that it takes all four of us to make a mastodon song a mastodon song and all ideas are welcome and you know if somebody in the band we're all such good friends if somebody in the band is passionate about something and they have an idea that they're really excited about then we want to explore it to the end you know and really try to make it happen for each person because we we want everybody in the band to be just stoked to be here and stoked to be to be yeah. uh, a part of the project and and never like stifle try to stifle anybody's creativity uh just because we love each other you know and we want we want everybody in the band to be happy and 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 able to say that mastodon is a, a musical expression of all four guys you know
0: that's great well, I want to congratulate you on all your continued success. you've been at this uh, going on over 20 years now that which which is a feat as you know to stay in this business and stay I guess the word I, I hate using this word but relevant, but you guys are doing it. I feel you're innovative you have you've carved your own niche, you have your own sound it, it's really awesome. Is there anything you'd like to leave the the listeners with before we uh, before we break?
1: No, I'm good no, I'm just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had anybody do that. We should end it like that. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I'm good. See ya. What's uh, going on? Any,
0: any any tour dates coming up? What what's happening?
1: Uh, let's see. Yeah, we actually leave for Europe on uh, on Sunday, and so we're gonna go see what that's all like. Right now, haven't been there in a while. Haven't seen our gear over there in like four years. So uh, dust off the cobwebs on that stuff and see if it's still you know, see if the drums are still around. So yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it, you know, festivals and everything. I'm starting to wrap my head around doing that again, walking out on that stage and, you know, saying hi to the grass pops and the the downloads of the, of the world, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I'm stoked. We'll be over there for over a month. So it's going to be you know sweaty meats and cheeses and you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> for, for the listeners that don't know what he's talking about go uh go hang out in a catering tent in the middle of a field in germany for some sweaty meat and cheese it's a delicacy that you just have no idea what you're missing
1: yeah exactly no but i'm, I'm we're so we're stoked to be going over there it's gonna be it's gonna be cool
0: right on well, well braun thanks so much for uh for hanging out with us today i appreciate it thanks for having me
2: There's lots more Krista makes a podcast after a few words from our sponsors. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects and Ian MacKay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Hey, everybody. If you like Chris to make a podcast, I'm going to assume that you like music podcasts. And if you like music podcasts, check out One Hit Thunder. Each week, we dive into a one-hit wonder. And along the way, we gain some knowledge and have some laughs. Lou Bega, Crazy Town, Harvey Danger, The New Radicals, aha. We're over 100 episodes in now. And to paraphrase the great Matthew Wilder, nothing's going to break our stride. Subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.
0: As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to Makes a podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is Donna Her, a power pop punk rock band from New England. They recently released a new album entitled Gravity and the Stars Above. You can stream their music on all digital platforms. Here's a snippet of their song For Your Love. Waiting, hoping, wishing
2: for-
0: The rap with Chris and Chris.
2: So Chris, that was a pretty awesome story behind the inspiration for the song. It kind of took me back to the Brett Gerwitz episode in a way, just the
0: literary references being an inspiration for a song. I was trying to say this to Bron in a way that wasn't coming off I don't even know what word I'm looking for here but I didn't want him to think I kept harping on the concept but again if if, if I were to sit down right now and say you know what I'm, I'm gonna write a concept album based on the grapes of wrath do you know how cheesy that would come out it just it wouldn't be believable it's not up my sleeve to do something like that the fact that they pulled it off and you listen to this and it, it's anything but cheesy the track is just it just pummels you from the time it starts till it ends it's 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 awesome
2: i can't imagine a much better novel to base a metal song around than Moby Dick. <laughs> it's pretty badass,
0: right? <laughs> no, it is. It's 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 really cool. And I referenced some eighties bands and I think I even said like Ronnie James Dio, you know, a lot of their lyrics do hold up and they're killer. Some of Dio's lyrics are great and you know, dungeons and dragons and fantasies and, and rainbows and, and things and, and yeah, you can sing about that, but but sometimes it just uh it just gets a little dicey and, and with this it's it's great. And yeah, to your point, uh Moby Dick is, is pretty epic.
2: Yeah, and also you can take away yeah, this is just like if you were reading the novel. Yeah, if you're reading it in a literal way, it's about Captain Ahab and a giant whale, but you take your own meaning away from that. What what are you battling? What do you feel like chasing you? That is what makes it not cheesy. <laughs> yeah. The fact that you could take it away. It's not just literally like, I went out and harpooned a whale. No, that's not thats not the
0: point. I don't think that's the no. point of the novel or the song. No, that's why it works here. And he, and Bron even said it. He said this was the perfect track to open the record with because of, of the lyric, I think that someone is trying to kill me. <laughs> right (laughs) you know and 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 who can't relate to that in in, in, metaphorically in so many different ways not not actually stabbing you through the heart but killing you spiritually emotionally I think it's a great lyric to open the record with
2: and just a great lyric to open a metal record with (laughs) it might be the best lyric I've ever heard (laughs) to a start of a metal album that's amazing
0: it is yeah I I probably should have preface that with metal album yeah it's a great uh uh, (laughs) metal album opening lyric but just at the top here like I said he even said yeah we come from a hardcore background that riff it's got like that early to mid 80s hardcore thing about it and then the the drums and the whole band kicking off the top it's just it's so heavy um I love uh I love his playing I don't know of any other drummer that uh, does fills as long as Bron does the the fills just go on for like two three four five Six bars. Sometimes they're they're insane. Uh, he, he's such a great drummer. And it's interesting hearing a
2: drummer's perspective of songwriting, especially when he can get the idea for the song in his head. Like he said that you know he's not the greatest guitarist, but he knows that he can rely on his bandmates to be able to take the idea what he conveys to them and bring it to life. That's some real trust, and that is what makes for an awesome band.
0: It is, and I've. I, as I said, him and I are kinda opposites. I have these crazy drum orchestrations that go on in my head sometimes that's hard to articulate and thankfully through technology drum programs I can kinda, you know, get closer to that now when I'm presenting it to you know, to, to Matt and my band or somebody like, hey, this is kind of w- where the groove is sitting for me, tempo-wise and, and where it's at. But, uh, you know, the fact that you know, this is 20 years ago, they weren't really, you know, he said they weren't, didn't really demo them. They just kind of rehearsed the song up to the point they were going to go in the studio. So here he is humming into his tape recorder, especially the lead section of this song, which is, which is insane. The fact that he hummed that and Bill, his guitar player, was able to spit it back out at him is really, really awesome.
2: I thought it was awesome what he said about Mastodon being a collaborative project and that all ideas are welcome. And if somebody is passionate about something, they want to explore that idea and make it happen. They want everybody to be stoked to be there. And they don't want to stifle creativity. All this stuff is the most perfect way to express what it's like to be in a functional band. Yeah. <laughs> that nobody, that nobody is like, thinks it's their way or the highway. I think that's the recipe for, oh, your band's gonna break up. <laughs> you know, this, this sounds perfect this is the way i always want the, my musical projects to be and i think that's the way that you can keep being a band for a long time and be successful
0: yeah and uh testament to that fact is that they've had the same four members uh since since the beginning you know they early on they had uh some different people but for the last 20 years it's been the same four guys which which means that something's working there's a a respect there within a band that's uh you know it's it, it's very difficult to be in a band sometimes you have this amazing idea and someone else is like no i hear it here it's like what you don't like my idea (laughs) you know feelings come in the way of bands it's a it's a crazy monster
2: chris i know i've had this happen before i'm sure everybody who writes songs probably had this happen before but did you ever write a song and you you like really are excited about it and maybe you show it to other people and they don't seem as excited about it you're like damn how are you not hearing what i'm hearing here you know Yeah, that uh, happens weekly with
0: my band (laughs) (laughs)
2: damn yeah but uh you know i think that it sounded like what braun was saying was like if someone is excited about something then everyone wants to you know lift that person up and be like okay let's make this happen for him so i thought that was really cool also this song runs you over. Yeah, for sure. And even watch the music video for it. I feel like the vibe of the music video, too, it's like, oh, my God, this is <laughs> this is wild. It's awesome. You talked about, you asked if he doubled the vocals. He's like, yeah, I think maybe we tripled or quadrupled the vocals on this, which, yeah, I mean, dude, do I, I think for the past couple decades, I've... Doubled, at least doubled my vocals every time I've ever tracked them.
0: Yeah, well, the chorus just there, there's so much delay going on, it's hard to discern how many vocals were there. But yeah, that's why I, I had asked him that. But I love the delay treatment on the vocals, it just sounds so massive. I think it was great that they got Neil from Clutch to give that voicing in there, uh, kind of of what he was saying. The, the captain's voice comes in here, we needed a different different voice to come in, but yet, like I had told him in uh, researching uh, this episode, watched a bunch of live videos. They can pull it off without Neil being there. It still sounds like Mastodon. It wasn't that crazy of a departure. And I also thought it was very interesting that Neil, because this sounds pretty straightforward vocally here, what he's singing, but I could see why Neil was a little confused because this rhythm is just so quirky in this uh, bridge. And Chris, probably part of it
2: too is, uh yeah if you don't have neil there if you're not on tour with clutch for neil to come out and sing that part i'm sure that the audience can take over some there for him too you know
0: absolutely and chris i gotta tell you speaking of audience our audience is they've been really cool lately coming together and joining our supporting cast program
2: absolutely as usual chris that was a great segue into talking about our supporting cast at ChrisDemakes.com. if you enjoy this podcast which, once again, I always say this, but if you made it this far in the podcast, I'm assuming you do, you should head to christenbakes.com and check out our supporting cast for the price of buying Chris and I a case of LaCroix that is, you know the sparkling sparkling water with a tiny bit of flavor for the cost of buying us one of those to say <laughs> thank you guys i enjoy your podcast every month you'll get bonus episodes every week you can be a contestant on our music trivia game show defeat the makes and you support the show that you love we really appreciate it it helps us keep making this podcast and keep striving to give all of you the very best show possible.
0: That's right. And there's nothing like a LaCroix spritzer to start the day off, let me tell you. So uh, yeah, head over to com and sign up. We'd love to have you. And uh, join our Facebook group, Krista a Podcast Facebook group. We'd love to have you there as well. And give me a follow on Instagram, at less than Chris D. Want to thank this week's guest, Bron Daler, for sitting in with us. And we'll see you next week.
2: Do you enjoy the content and production of Krista Makes a Podcast? Do you have an idea for a podcast or an existing podcast that you'd like to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have over 25 years of combined experience in the pod field, and we're ready to help you succeed in the golden era of podcasting. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McLean. So please subscribe to Nemo the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you
0: further on up the road.
1: Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, in off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.